Hello there, and welcome to The Insider. Before we get started with this week's episode, just need to remind you that Jason England's Masterclass starts on Sunday, August the 1st at 4pm Eastern. So pop along to vanishinginkmagic.com slash masterclass, where you can buy just this month, or for the best value, subscribe. And when you look at the lineup we've got for the rest of the year, I think you'll find subscribing is a jolly good idea indeed. That being said, this is a two-part episode, so it will end abruptly, and we'll pick it up next week. But enough of my waffling. Let's get on with this interview with Jason England. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, just for a change, by Vanishing Ink. My guest today is the world's leading expert on all things Erdnays. He's a leading authority on gambling, specifically cheating and gambling protection. He does lots of very hard moves very well. It's Jason England. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I am delightful, thank you. What's your magic origin story? You have 34 seconds. My magic origin story is uh, I walked into a magic shop in Knoxville, Tennessee in the early summer, actually maybe uh, late spring of 1990. And uh, the guy behind the counter um, was not only a good magician, but a good magic salesperson. And uh, he sold me three or four, you know, five $5 tricks at that time. I think I had mm -hmm. a stripper deck and a Svengali deck and, you know, probably a nickels, the dimes and something else sure. like that. And uh, I just enjoyed it. Uh, I had always liked magic. I liked watching it on Carson, Johnny Carson here in the mm -hmm. U.S. And, um, you know, I liked magic wherever I could see it. <clears throat> but, of course, pre-internet, if you didn't see magic live uh, or on yeah. television, you know, there wasn't uh, any way you could just get it on demand. So sure. uh, that was it. It's nothing more elaborate than I just walked into a magic shop one day. Uh, and I'm actually still friends with the guy that was behind the counter that day uh, on Facebook. He and I chat from time to time. And that was it. That, that got me started. And That's I gravitated to cards just because they're easy to carry. <laughs> so. <laughs> like so many of us. Yeah. Um, tell us about your magic library and collection. You've got one of one of the largest Erdnays collections in the world. Yeah, you largest. know, but there's only like three of us that, you know, probably uh, try to connect <laughs> all of them. So uh, how did that start? So it, I never intended to collect the various printings um, of the expert at the card table. But what I would do is I was on a uh, I was active duty Air Force. I was on, mm -hmm. in the military here and I was traveling a lot uh, for work. <clears throat> and often I would fly to uh, a city and um, I, I intended to take a magic book with me to read on the plane and read in the hotel room at night, stuff like that. And from time to time, I would forget to pack a book or I would take a book and read it. And you know, now I'm looking for something on the mm -hmm. return flight. And so I'd wander into a magic shop in whatever city I was in, if I could find one and um, look for some new magic book to buy. And on three or four occasions over a period of a few years, there wasn't any new magic books that I wanted to buy, largely because I had them all already. Right. Um, and new books weren't coming out that uh, frequently. So I would say, you know what, I'll just, I'll buy another copy of The Expert at the Card Table because they're they're inexpensive and I'll just read that again on the, uh, the flight home. Um, and so one day, <clears throat> uh, living in California, this is probably 20 years ago almost now, I uh, went home and I, I had my copy of the expert at the card table and I went to put it on the shelf 
next to you know what I thought was one or two other copies maybe and there was like seven of them already there and they were all different which I had not intended uh, just they were all different and I was like huh that's weird I've got a little collection here and I didn't even you know wasn't even trying to collect yeah, yeah. Uh, those different uh, different printings and so that's when the I sort of um, got the idea in my head that hey I wonder how many editions there are and I wonder if I could get them all uh, I didn't know you know I didn't know how much a first edition cost back then um, and I, I didn't know where to find one even if I had known how much they cost but I started looking into it and uh, and that was it and you know 90% of the printings that I have, you could find in two months, uh, you know, just by looking on uh, eBay and, you know, uh, uh -huh. talking to used magic book dealers and stuff like that. 90% of them you could have in two months and you wouldn't spend a lot of money on them. The other 10%, of course, are the expensive ones. They're the, the early hardback Drake editions and, of course, the first edition and a couple of other editions that, for whatever reason, just don't show up very often. Uh, those right. would take you, you know, the rest of your life to track down. But um, but most of what I have, anybody could have. Um, and the other guy that's got a lot of them, and you know, may his collection may be as as big and diverse as mine, is John Bodine. Um, and I don't remember exactly if he's ever told me why he started collecting the various editions, but uh, that's why I did it. There you go. There you go. You're also, as I understand, quite a big Ricky Jay collector what fascinates you so much about ricky um you know i was a fan of ricky's i started off as a fan um i knew almost nothing about him um other than um in the early 90s i somehow got a hold of a videotape copy of his learned pigs and fireproof women special and i thought it was great uh I, you know really um really interesting uh, really well done. Every single guest did something new and interesting that I'd never seen before. And uh, I loved it. But that's all I knew of Ricky Jay. I didn't actually know that he was a great uh, card handler, you know, because uh, he does he does one card trick. He does Alaskan poker at the end of that special. Um, and uh, uh, but that's it. I, you know, so I knew he did card magic, but I didn't know that that was a focal point for him. Uh, again, pre-internet, you know, sure. if you didn't know Ricky, sure. um, and this was before uh, 52 Assistants, um, you know, where are you going to find that information? So yeah. I didn't know any of that. And um, a couple of years go by, I returned. I lived in Japan for two years, from 94 to 96. And I returned from uh, Japan in 96. And I'm living in California when his uh, 52 Assistants appeared on HBO. So when I saw that, um, I went, oh, wow, this guy, you know, he's he does the stuff that I like. Uh, I just knew of him as the guy that sort of hosted a special mm, on mm, Unusual sure. Entertainers. So I was like, oh, he was, you know, he, he does gambling stuff. This is interesting. So now I'm even a bigger fan, you know, and now I really like uh, this Ricky J character, which I didn't know much more about him than, than that and just started picking up anything that he uh, that he released. So, um, you know, I bought his um, 
I had his Learned Pigs book, which I think is great. And mm -hmm. as he released other books, uh, I would buy those. Um, the only book of his I never purchased was um, Cards as Weapons. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not because I didn't um, didn't want the book. It was just because <clears throat> I, I wanted a really nice copy of it. And all the copies I found that were really nice always had been signed um, to the owner from Ricky. You know, he often wouldn't flat sign a book. He would inscribe it to you personally, mm -hmm. but there weren't a lot of flat signed, you know, just Ricky J on the title page. Um, so I couldn't find one I wanted. Um, and uh, Ricky actually wound up giving me uh, a copy oh. of the book as we met and became friendly uh, years later. Um, he uh, oh, he asked me, he said, are there any of my books that you don't have? And I said, the only one I don't have is one I've had 15 opportunities to buy, but could never find one that I liked. And he said, well, I, I think I can help you with that. So a week or so later, I got a very nice gift in the mail. Uh, and it is inscribed to me, you know, um, as he uh, as he normally did when he would sign those. So, um, so yeah, that's it. I just uh, started off as a fan, you know. How special! How special! Yep. You've also got a bunch of um, amazing cheating devices. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there is there a, a favorite couple you can tell us about? Or is that like picking children? Well, no, there are there are a couple of favorites. Um, so I, I sort of have to qualify what my what my favorites are. I think a little bit. Um, my favorites often have a story attached to them. Okay. So if the story's good enough, then the cheating device may not have ever even worked. You know. It, so I have okay. one device in my collection that. Um, that never really won any money. It never got off the ground. It was an idea that someone had, and um, it was a good idea, and they had this prototype built, and it just never really worked all that well. So they moved on from it. So I have that device in my collection, but because the story is uh, sort of personal to me, uh, I really enjoy that. But but I'll name a couple that um, I, uh, I can't talk about. So uh, I love, in fact, Funny you ask. I never ever have cheating apparatus in this room. They're all in a different part of the house. But I happen to have no. a gaffed shoe no. um, right here. <gasps> that is a second dealing shoe. It's got the little chain because it, uh, you know, it's supposed to look exactly like the ones they uh, had in a casino. And this was sitting over here on this shelf because I was showing it to someone uh, not too long ago. And so it's going to be hard for the camera to see this, but I'll see if I can see if I can hold everything in place uh -huh. and show you right up in this corner. Let's see if the camera can see that. Uh, I don't know if I can see it or not. Yeah, I can see it. So there's a six of clubs. Yeah, I can see it on my big screen. I, it's hard for me to see um, in. Uh, it's hard for me to see in the uh, in the computer screen. See if I can get another one up in there. Mm. Well, it's not wanting to cooperate very well, probably because it's been sitting over there for a while. There we go. Hang on a second. Now I'll see if I can hold that up to the 
camera. Do you see that eight of diamonds yeah. Yeah. there? So that's uh -huh. that's a prism, and it is allowing you to peek the top card uh, of the shoe if you were a blackjack dealer. And then you can either deal seconds out from underneath that card, or you can just play the information that you've been given, knowing it's the top card of the shoe, knowing it's the next card to come out. You can just use that information. So uh, I like this uh, peak shoe, but I have several of them. I've got uh, over a half a dozen different types of peak shoes. Some of them were never finished um, being constructed. And so you can see the various stages of, uh, of their assembly, uh. you know? So it's like, oh, here's one where the prism is just a loose prism. It's, you know, it's not much bigger than like a pair of, you know, fingernail clippers. It's just a loose prism. And here's one where it's been attached to the faceplate, but the faceplate's not in the shoe. And here's one where it's in the shoe, but the sides of the shoe, these uh, black pieces right here, uh -huh. have, not, have not been put on. Um, and so you can see the various stages of construction. So I like stuff like that. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm, I've always been a big fan of the chip cup, which is uh, kind of reminiscent of nickels to dimes, the magic trick, where mm -hmm. uh, a slightly larger metal, or these days you can 3D print them, uh, slightly larger than a poker chip little cup is manufactured. And it's usually about four chips in height. And they glue a real chip to the top of it. And then you can pick up uh, high denomination uh, poker chips um, or gambling chips, not necessarily poker chips, but chips at a blackjack table or craps sure. table, that sort of thing. You can pick them up inside the cup and shuttle them uh, off the table without being seen. It's actually a very uh, clever little kind of a Trojan horse um, yeah. principle there. I've always thought that was a, a great um, uh, kind of a cool cheating device because it's got this sort of James Bond element to it, you know. I mean, you're staring right at this thing, and if it's constructed yeah. properly, you can't tell from just a foot away that uh, that it's not real. Um, I enjoy stuff like that. Um, I like loaded dice and marked cards. You know, the, those are sort of classics. All, all of that stuff is the type of thing I collect. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. So why, why are the shoes in various stages of construction that somebody just abandoned i don't get why they're, they're floating around not finished <laughs> often it's because something went wrong in the construction um you know so uh -huh. you're you're assembling this thing and you drop it and so you crack a corner of it right. and so now you know the guy mm. instead of just throwing the whole thing away he just set it aside and eventually I wound up with it. Uh, I went to this guy's house and I'm like, oh, this, what's wrong with this one? He said, ah, you know, I, I, I cracked the bottom here. And now it's a little tiny crack, maybe a centimeter long, but I'm like, oh, well, you're just gonna throw it out. And he's like, well, I was gonna take it apart and try to salvage the pieces, but I just didn't bother with it. And so I wound up with it uh, largely because he just wasn't gonna do anything with it. Uh, right. And so I've got three or four of them like that. Yeah, um, so cool. So yeah, it's that it was never anything that anyone did on purpose. It's just you know stuff happened and they eventually sure. ended up uh, in in my hands. Sure. How how did you get started with the with gambling protection? The long and short of it is, the very first magic or gambling book I ever bought was actually um, a blackjack book. When I was twenty years old, my grandmother. Uh, lived in Memphis, Tennessee, and just south of Memphis, there is a small uh, town called Tunica, Mississippi. 
Okay. Uh, it's just over the Tennessee Mississippi border, uh, not too far away. I don't, I haven't driven there in years, but maybe 45 minutes away, an hour away, something like that. And um, so, uh, gambling, casino style gambling, up until the late 80s, was only legal in two states in the U.S. It was legal here in Nevada, of course, and it was also legal in uh, New Jersey, in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Other than that, you couldn't gamble anywhere in the U.S. Um, casino style. Um, mm. And so they, uh, they eventually passed a law in the state of Mississippi that allowed riverboat gambling as long as the boat was technically in the water. Now, these things, they're called boats, but it's not like they were sailing up and down the Mississippi. They were essentially enormous barges that uh -huh. were technically in the water, and then they just never moved them, you know. And I think that's still the law there today, uh, uh, that they're, you know, these big casinos, but, you know, according to the lawmakers, they're boats on the water. Um, so anyway, okay. she uh, she liked to play blackjack and, you know, wasn't a pro at it or anything. She just enjoyed playing blackjack and playing the slots on occasion. And here I am 20 years old and she wanted to take me to Tunica, but, um, you know, I'm not turning 21 for six months or so and you had to be 21 to gamble. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'll go see if I can find a book on blackjack teach me how to play the game. And then six months from now, when I turn 21, I can actually go with her and we can, you know, play blackjack, whatever. Sure. So I bought a book uh, at, on blackjack called uh, Playing Blackjack as a Business by Lawrence Revere, who um, I, I just got lucky and bought a really good book. It's actually a book that a lot of the pros uh, started with right. in, the, uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it was a little, advanced for me um i i understood most of it but not all of it and um you know eventually i did go play blackjack with my grandmother but that was sort of the start of it that was before i was interested in magic um and then uh not long after that maybe just a few weeks later uh is when i wandered into that magic shop and got interested in uh, okay. in magic as well so they're almost parallel paths the yeah. gambling book was a little bit ahead of magic, not by much, uh, months maybe, weeks even. Um, and so I was always interested in gambling, uh, or always interested in blackjack and uh, gambling. When the card magic really moved to the forefront, it just seemed like a natural extension that, sure. you know, if you're good with a deck of cards, you should be able to, you know, do whatever gamblers do. I mean, that just seemed mm -hmm. like it made sense to me. That still makes sense to me uh, to this day. Um, you know, so uh, uh, I'm trying to give you an example of something similar. It'd be like if I said, um, uh, let's see if I can get a good example. Oh, if I if I said, oh, here's here's my friend Bob. He knows everything about computers. Mm-hmm. Well, if he knows everything about computers, then he should be able to do certain things with a computer, you know? Uh, uh -huh. He should be able to fix my computer when it's not working, and he should be able to uh, write a program, and he should be yeah, able yeah. to, you know, if he knows everything about computers, then all those things kind of go along with that. Mm. So it sort of seemed to me the same way with magic, you know, if, if you're presenting yourself as some sort of expert with a deck of cards, you know, playing cards are used to gamble. 
uh, or yep. to play games at least, you know, <clears throat> sure. sometimes you gamble with them. Um, but it's, uh, it, it always struck me as odd um, magicians that spend a lot of time with, uh, with playing cards, but never mention games or gambling in their act. Uh, to me, that would be sort of like being a musician that played that. Yeah. Imagine you knew 500 guitar chords, mm -hmm. but couldn't play a song. Doesn't that yeah, seem yeah. odd? You know, oh, yeah. I'm a guitar chord expert, but I don't play music. You know, what a what a weird thing. It's like here, I can show you all these wild variations <laughs> these of guitar chords, chords that <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one knows about, you know, but I, I never string three of them together and play a song. Yeah. So being a card expert that didn't at least mention games and gambling from time to time just struck me as odd. And it kind of still strikes me as a little odd, you know. Um, I'm not saying you can't do it successfully, but um, it just—it's such a such a no-brainer, you know. If you're mm. a card expert, at least bring up the idea of a card game from time to time. Uh, otherwise, you're the chord expert that doesn't play any music. Sure, because um, everybody so. always asks that of a magician anyway, don't they? Oh, I wouldn't want to play poker with you, and right. they're already yeah. making that connection. Exactly, they're making the connection anyway. I think you're crazy not to feed into it a little bit, you know, or at least understand that it's an option, you know, um, mm. uh, and that, that your spectators often want to go there. So, you know, why not go there with them? So. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we just announced that we're doing another experts at the card table and in the first one you were lecturing and talked about keeping an excel spreadsheet um, mm -hmm. with lists of tricks can you talk about why you do that and why you think it's important um so it's it is now an excel spreadsheet it started off as index cards you know i i have a, a little box of index cards in the, my magic collection that just has tricks written down on it that I wanted to uh, remember. And it was nothing more than that. I just wanted, you know, I would, I read a trick and thought to myself, uh, I like this. I like this idea. Um, maybe it's not fully formed in my head, like mm -hmm. what I could do with it, but I don't want to forget this. Um, so I'm going to write this down and throw it in a box. Um, and every so often I would go to that box and now go to my Excel spreadsheet. And I would um, just look at it and go, let's see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I remember this, but I don't remember the details. But here's the book and the page number. Let's go, let's go look at that. You know, it right. was just sort of a, just sort of a, you know, I mean, why do people write down recipes? You know, they're not going to make them every day, but. When you want that banana bread or whatever it is, you know, you got to go to your little recipe index, you pull it out and you make it. I oh, was yeah, doing yeah. the same thing with card magic. You know, it's just I found an idea I liked. I didn't want to forget it. And so I wrote it down. Um, and that has now gotten to be, depending on which version I pull up on my computer, um, I've, cons I've had several of these lists over the years. Um, and I consolidated them all, and it's you know hundreds of tricks long now, um, most of which I could not do from memory. If you said you know if you just pointed to number three hundred and six and said do that trick from memory, I'd have no idea what it yeah. was. I could probably do the first thirty from memory, or maybe the first fifty from memory, um, because when I initially started making notes, they came out of my head. They were the tricks I already right. knew. 
Right, um, right. But then as I added to it, as I discovered new fun ideas that I wanted to play with in the future, um, you know, I can no longer do most of those from memory, but often I can tell you, I can still tell you what it was I liked about it. So, you know, if we, if I pull that book off the shelf and I turn to it and I read it, I can go, okay, I remember what it was about this that intrigued me. It's so this idea. So it might idea. be a premise or a plot or a move yeah, or, absolutely. A new or anything. It's not Anything's, the whole trick. It could be a setup. It could be a presentational aspect that I liked. Um, I'll give you one example. Um, mm. There is a um, there is a Larry Jennings trick that I think is in Die Vernon's Ultimate Card Secrets, and it. I said Larry Jennings trick. There's a Larry Jennings idea in there about him placing a card up the sleeve of a spectator. Right. Okay. I don't like the trick. I mean, it's okay, but that's not what intrigued me. What intrigued me was the idea of putting a playing Loading card yeah. up a spectator's sleeve. I thought that's a cool presentational idea. And so I've used that in a couple of, uh, in a couple of tricks that I've come up with where I would have uh, I would ask the spectator, you know, if you ever wondered what it's like to be a card cheater, here, let me show you. Take a card out, doesn't matter what it is, you don't even have to look at it, just put it up your sleeve. And they put it up their sleeve, and then later, that card up their sleeve became, becomes the card that they use to cheat me um, in, uh, you know, in some sort of poker deal or whatever. Sure. So we deal out five cards, and they missed their flush by one card. They've got four spades and a heart, for instance. And uh -huh. I go, oh, you know what? You've got a card up your sleeve. Slide it out. And they slide it out, Boom. and it's the ace of spades or whatever. And so they've they've cheated me um, in that uh, in that trick. And I've got a couple different versions of that that I worked out uh, with uh, Thomas Blumberg of Sweden uh, years yes. ago. Thomas and I have actually never met in person, but we worked out these different variations on a chat room one night. And so stuff like that is what makes my Excel list. It's just any sort of methodological idea, presentational idea, um, maybe just an effect idea. Um, sometimes I like everything about it, and it's a trick that I probably do. Uh, other times, you know, here it is 10 years later, and I still don't do the trick, but I'm still intrigued by one little piece of it that mm. I return to every so often. So. And one day it will become something. And, yeah. and, and I never intended this, but I use it for stuff like this all the time. You know, in that experts uh, at the card table session, um, you know, Josh and Andy said, would you be a part of this? And I said, sure. And I always have the same problem when I agree to be part of stuff like this is I, um, I, I want to teach the basic principles of advanced sleight of hand because that's what I think I'm good at. But I also understand the need for um, staying fresh and showing stuff that you've not taught before and things of that yeah. nature. And so I struggle with the latter half. You know, I do the same 50 card tricks over and over and over and over again for people. Um, but if you're if you're selling uh, an instructional um, experience, yeah, uh, like experts at the card table, you don't want to go, oh, hey, here's that same trick that I've taught 18 times in the in yeah, the yeah, past. Yeah. And because yeah. you, know, you get a lot of repeat customers, you know, of people course. that are fans of yours. Yeah, so yeah. I do try to come up with stuff that um, that they haven't seen before. Um, and, and so Excel that's what the Excel spreadsheet. That. Yeah, I'll just yeah, go yeah, yeah. go to it and go. All right. What's what's fun and interesting that mm. I haven't looked at in 10 years. And that means they've probably not looked at it in a long time. Yeah. And I'll dig through there and find, uh, you know, food for thought.